Welcome to the show. I'm Tosh Taylor. And I'm Jenna Morton. And we are in the shipbuilding portion of the Albert County Museum. And we are joined by the president of the Albert County Historical Society, Don McLean. Welcome to the show. Well, we're glad to have you here. I am just in love with this room. I say this about every place we go to yeah. in this museum, but it's, uh, it is so fantastic. And shipbuilding plays such an immense role in the history of Albert County. Can you condense it and find a place to start <laughs> at, at the beginning? <laughs> it certainly does. In fact, we have some panels behind me around the corner that would be good to look at as well. But no, this is, uh, people are very fascinated with this portion. As you can see, we have oars and photos and we have the tools. We won't start building a ship today, but we have the <laughs> tools, we have everything here right down to the foghorn uh, whistle and you name it and we have it the scale models shipbuilding brought such prosperity uh, to the county for quite a number of years uh, you know when settlers come where do they want to settle close to water and so at every from the early well even after the uh, the settlers from europe started coming they started building ships. Obviously, they had to get around, and there were lots of trees. We have, you know, major forests, and so that provided the wood to build the wooden ships. And then pretty soon, they were trade. Okay, uh, England needed wood. They needed ships to do their trade throughout the empire. So they wanted ships. So hence, everywhere. Well, first of all, they build them for their own use then they would build them to sell. And often, let's say they were delivering a cargo of uh, timber, or they called it uh, deck. It was a square timber, okay? And so if they took the ship loaded with the lumber to England, oftentimes the ship also stayed. Okay, so they sold the ship, they got the cargo, Sometimes if they were going along, besides just the lumber, they might put in, say, from Alma, they would, they would uh, take in salted shad, <laughs> you know, or, uh, or salt marsh hay was transported. Okay, salt marsh hay is the best. So, <laughs> what, what is salt marsh hay? The hay that they grew on the salt marshes here. Oh. It's so, so rich, you know, and so salt marsh hay was a great, uh, a great need. So they would, so they'd load all these things on the ship and then oftentimes the ship would be purchased over there. Sometimes a Norwegian would buy the, the ships and then so you'd hear that it was built in say Harvey Bank and then it was lost at sea, you know, years later owned by a Norwegian company or whatever. So with the, Plus, people got to bring things back from some of these countries. And interestingly enough, some of the, sh the captain's wives even went to sea with them. So you can imagine the sights they saw and their experiences, okay? Um, they might get to go to Boston and go to a wonderful concert or have a tour or hang out with some of the other captain's wives and have, go to a fancy dinner or ball. So it was quite, you know, but it, can't make it sound all that wonderful because if you were going around Cape Horn, for instance, which is a terrible, dangerous spot to go, I guess, um, that it wasn't all 
fun and games, you know, when you're stuck on a boat and you're trying to... <laughs> I, can, I can imagine the seasons. No, thank you. <laughs> Whatever, exactly. But get back to the prosperity. So that's why when you go drive through Hillsborough and many places, you'll see these beautiful homes. And of course, the, the tale is, you know, at the top when you see the widow's walk, you know, that they'd be watching for their for their loved one or for their husband or their father or whatever to return from sea. But it brought a lot of industry because you needed the wood, okay, so hence the force. So the people, the lumber mills everywhere. In fact, I think in Albert County in 1851, there were 97 major lumber mills, okay? And so by the time you went to Point Wolf, you had uh, in Alma, what we call it Alma, it was Salmon River then, okay, and then you move on up Waterside, all of these places you had ships being built and uh, lumber mills, and as you move on up to Riverside, and then you come, and of course here in Hopewell Cape, there was a three-mile shoreline stretch in that major, major shipyards, okay, the Bennett shipyards, the Pie shipyards, and they produced at the height of the shipbuilding time in 1874, 52% of the ships built in Albert County, the tonnage, were built here. And then you move on up, and of course you had Hillsborough, and then you had Edges Landing, and you had, well, you know what I mean? So in every creek. Now the very first little ship, I shouldn't say little, it was a little schooner, the Betsy was built in 1803 in Hopewell. Now we don't know if that was Hopewell Hill, Hopewell Cape. <laughs> Hopewell. Okay. So that was pretty special, the little, little Betsy. But we have some major, major ships. In fact, the Annie E. Wright, that was a three-decked uh, ship, huge ship, was the largest built in the Maritimes for a long time at that, at that uh, year. And it was built at Harvey Bank at the Gaius Turner shipyard. And Gaius Turner, well-known, a real entrepreneur for everything, you know. <laughs> but he commissioned, and he was sort of late getting into the game because he didn't even get into shipbuilding until about 1875, which it, you were sort of getting on the tail end of the shipbuilding. But after that, he built like major ships, the Revolving Light, was built in 1875, the first ship that he had built, okay? And of course, when you take the people that would be occupied, you had to get the lumber, you had to have the ship builder, okay? And he did the plants, he chose the wood, did the plants, usually did that in the, um, in the fall. And then in the winter time, the people, the carpenters and the planers and the whatever, they worked throughout the winter you know, laying down the plank and whatever. And then come the, the um, uh, early spring or early summer would be the ship launch when the tides were high and, and so on. So it was quite a process. So you had all of these men working, okay? And of course, like I said, the lumber. We had, we had the lumber. <laughs> <laughs> and it's for building. But I'll tell you a little bit about the revolving light. Okay, it was launched in Harvey Bank, first ship great thing you can imagine a ship launch everyone in the entire area would come you know lots of stories about the ladies coming with their big fancy dresses on maybe a parasol i guess why at one time one, one of the ladies the parasol sort of took her took her over oops <laughs> just an embarrassing thing okay but anyway yeah i've seen some accounts where it was like thousands of people would come yeah, to the exactly, ship exactly exactly and so that was, a, and the same as when some 
a big ship was coming in as well. People would head to the head to the uh, to the wharf, okay, to whatever. And so anyway, so back to the revolving lights. So this ship, it was launched, and ooh, whatever. Well, I don't exactly know where it, it was purchased by somebody. In later years, it was wrecked over in um, the Netherlands, okay, off the shore there. And uh, I don't know if anyone actually knew what happened to it. But back in the early, mid-90s, I think, um, a man who, they used to, in this place called Texel, they would gather the wood, there was not a wood for burning, so they would gather the wood from the shores, you know, the shipwreck, the debris, whatever. Anyway, this timber washed up, and so this man, they used them for building their homes. So he built a home and he put this timber in his, in his home. Somebody started looking at this timber. Hmm. I don't know if he saw a date or even maybe hard, I don't know what he saw. But anyway, as he researched, he found out that this ship was built in New Brunswick, Harvey, then he had to research Harvey. Well, anyway, it led him to contact uh, Mary Micah, who was a well-known you know, historian and so on. So pretty soon she gets a call from this man in, in uh, the Netherlands about the revolving light. Well, of course, we knew about the revolving light. It was built here. I don't think we knew what happened to it. Well, anyway, he was so excited. He literally came to Harvey when they opened the shipyard park and they had this sort of model of the revolving light. And he was just over the moon. So that's quite a story, yeah, you know. Yeah, I love that story. Just how far yeah. it can go, right? How, how far, yeah. Yeah, how far the story. And then when people, in fact, I get emails all the time. In fact, there was a man, I don't know where he was from now, but anyway, I answered him. He was asking about the Millicent, M-E-L-I-C-I-T-E, which was built in Hopewell Cape. I don't know why he wanted to find out about the Millicent. I looked and found everything I could. I found the tonnage where it was built, built here in Hopewell Cape. Uh, all the rest of it. So I don't know. He didn't reply, but there's always oh, me crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Exactly. <laughs> there's always people interested in in the ships. I guess because in its heyday, this place was just booming. I mean, Harvey Bank. You had the sh the uh, people, the shipping office that would be recording. You know what was coming in, what was going out, and so it provided so much so much work for for everybody. Never mind. Uh, just the stimulation and the culture that it brought and the travel and importing things. You know, you wonder why they have these, these beautiful, uh, you've seen maybe the glass domes with the um, birds. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they're real birds that have been stuffed, but that was a real thing at that time. So you get a lot of Victorian mm -hmm. antiques and special things that, that they would have had in their parlors and whatnot and throughout the world. So anyway, so yeah, the ships, over 220 registered ships in, built here in Albert County. And to name some of the others, okay, I've said the Annie E. Wright was the huge three-decker. Three we had the Edna M. Smith, another huge, huge ship. And the last two very, very large ships were the Meredith White and the Vincent M. White. And I don't know if you can see them. They're right there. <laughs> and you can see they were going to Parsborough, Nova Scotia. So that's, and the thing was, when they left there, 
they, were, they went over to Shuli, which is just across the bay, to be loaded with apples. And they were heading for uh, South America somewhere. Hmm. So you see, like, you built the ship, and then it's like, the li- Yeah, <laughs> the life it takes on. Yes, yeah. exactly. It mm-hmm. becomes its own thing, yeah. Yeah, so they... Those two ships were the ones that were named after the twins? <clears throat> yes, yeah. yes. And they were built in Alma, am I right in about Alma. that? Yes. And we have a picture of the ship launch, and I tell you, everyone <laughs> crowded on top of that, that, <laughs> that, the deck, you know. And it was quite, that that was, that was sort of the era was coming to an end. That was 1918. And hence, when the shipbuilding sort of decreased, and many people who were shipbuilders, they went elsewhere, or um, they just had to find another career, I guess. But the names of the, the builders, like I said, one of the panels here, the, the list is this long of the people, the ship builders. They were the builders. You can see the half models there on the back because to be a builder, like you had to be a very experienced, you know, you had to, the balance, the weight, the length, the height, the whatever. And of course, a lot were schooners two or three masted schooners. Some were brigs, and then you get the brigantines, and then they get the barkentines, and then you get the full square rigged ships, which you can see, for instance, in some of the, the uh, pictures here. Mm-hmm. And they were, I mean, they were huge. It's hard to believe when you look at the pictures and there's the man, he's this big. <laughs> and the ship is this big. Yeah. You know what I mean? It gives an idea of the, you know, of the size of these things and how they traveled the world and carried, I guess I mentioned the hay, they carried um, the lumber, of course, okay, the plank and the sawn lumber. And also because Albertite had been, was being mined, okay, and for 30 years, 230,000 tons of Albertite left and went down the bay to most to Boston, okay, because there it supplied the gas for the to light the city. <laughs> the gas lights, you know, the old lamp lighter, right? <laughs> and as well as gypsum that, that remained in mind, finally by rail and whatnot, but also carried by ships off the wharf of, in Hillsborough. So, yeah, so when you think about that, it's just, uh, it's just amazing. If you could go back in time and be part of a ship launch, wouldn't that be something? It would be. <laughs> I, what I love talking about this is the fact that so many people don't realize this was happening down here Mm -hmm. and that once upon a time you could get a ship that big up the river into Moncton and and I know the first time I saw a photo of that or something my mind just like I'd have to know more about this and that's why you need to come here and learn more Mm -hmm. about it because there are like you said there were so many shipbuilders Mm -hmm. so many locals would have this in their family history I'm Mm -hmm. sure of that Do you remember um, off the top of your head, like who would have been the first family to start building? I know you mentioned Bennett's. Would they have been one yeah, of the, the first? The Bennett's, uh, yeah, I think they're sort of all about the same time because see over in Harvey, <clears throat> you had, well, Gas Turner was commissioning them, but you had the Brewsters. And when you think here in the Cape, you had the Condons and the Pies and the Bennett's. And when I looked at the, the names, and of course in Alma, uh, just off the top of my head, if I looked at the list. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, no. But the names are just, uh, you know, there was Russell and there were uh, no, no shipbuilders in my, in my family that I know of. Okay. <laughs> Lightkeeper, yeah. I was, I was yeah. going to say, yeah. maybe we should yeah. talk about yeah. your Uncle yeah. Hugh there in Grindstone yeah. Island. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you know, when you had this major trading thing going on and they would be leaving and they had to go down river, out, you know, Shepody Bay, Shignecto Bay, out of the Bay of Fundy to head off to wherever. Well, uh, the captains were like, okay, this is, this is dangerous because they're, you know, major reefs, okay, off of Grindstone and, other, and Cape and Rage and whatever. We need a lighthouse. So it's quite a big discussion about this. Would it be over here? Would it be there? Finally, Grindstone Island was chosen as the place in 1859, the government commission we would have a lighthouse okay the first one was sort of a uh, I think there's a picture there <laughs> it was sort of a, a, a octagonal wooden tower they called a light tower mm -hmm. but then in 1911 one of the lamps exploded in it and so burned <laughs> yeah hence we had to have a new lighthouse which is the one now that everyone's familiar with the the uh, cement uh, hexagonal with the buttresses come out okay so it was built in 1911 1912 and uh, yes and so uh, that's quite a quite a story the light is still sort of a fascinating uh, people are intrigued by grindstone island but you know it's important to realize that that island was a necessity for the safety of the ship travel and from 1859 to 1970 there were men out there, the light keepers, sometimes with families, okay, uh, managing the foghorn and the light to bring safety, you know. And, and that's why when I had a presentation just two Saturdays ago, I wanted people to realize that the importance of that island and those generations of, of light keepers that were out there. And it was not, not a, an easy job. I know <laughs> my Uncle Hugh used to have to row out we're talking the tides it's dangerous okay <laughs> in fact there were some tragedies there were some tragedies of accidents and people drowning and, and plus to to go on and then uh, there was one well the accident that happened in which there were oh, I think four people drowned they were going on at night he was going to be rowing on by himself at night but there was there was a, a ship who was loaded to go somewhere and the pilot boat of course you have to have a pilot boat to sort of lead you lead you out and they said oh well we'll uh, come on uh, Hugh just tie your uh, your boat to to the to the pilot not a good idea mm -mm. not a good idea well things were going fine until the tug uh, quit okay because someone jumped on and the, the engine stopped and here they are and the line slack well guess where the line goes underneath the rowboat you know, then when it tightens up again, it flips over. Very sad. Fortunately, mm -hmm. he did not drown. Uh, and another fellow managed to scramble in with him, but others did. And that was a real tragedy, real tragedy. And so you don't realize the, the danger it was, like getting on and off that island with the tides. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then, of course, there are good stories, too, about the families that lived on there and the... I have a binder right there, the whole story of a, a Russell uh, family who was there until 1911, and they had nine children. Holy. Quite interesting stories. <laughs> they, nine uh, kids uh, on an island in a lighthouse. Exactly. <laughs> Poor mother, eh? Yeah. Okay? Yeah, that sounds yeah. like my worst nightmare right now. <laughs> yeah. But you know, yeah. But they had such a close-knit family, and the fun they had, the freedom they had. The freedom, yeah. Yeah.
Now, mind you, they did have to come off. But one winter, they stayed on because they talked about in the wintertime gathering around father and he'd read stories and they'd eat apples and apples, by the way, that if they saw a schooner nearby and it was an apple boat, mm -hmm. they'd row out and get the apples, <laughs> grabbing steams, they all <laughs> said. So, but, you know, but it, and the same as with the Weston family, when uh, Fried and Betty and Ken, three of the family came to uh, talk, uh, be part of the presentation. They said, you know, as a family, we were so close. In the evening, they would sing songs and tell stories, and they depended on each other, right? And, uh, and so that was a positive thing. And, and of course, if you were running around, just having a blast, you know, the freedom, she had her own little rowboat, you know. <laughs> and once you learn to be sort of independent and amuse yourself, you yes. know. Yes. No That's cell phones true. there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should take some of these kids up there and dump them on the island and say, oh, yeah. oh, oh take yeah. your cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> I agree for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, so when you talk about land of people of the tides, and then as I'm standing here looking at the wall there and see a photo of Molly Cool. Yes. Who, how can you even, you know, talk about the, the shipping here without mentioning Molly Cool, who was captain of her, of the scow, the Jean K, and uh, became in 1939, on May 25th, the first registered female master mariner, okay, or sea captain, okay, in North America. So what a, you know, awesome people, you know, entrepreneurial people, brave people, adventurous people, hardworking people, mm -hmm. Okay, from Albert County, who, who established so many things here and, and were part of the rich history that now we talk about, we celebrate, and, uh, and, well, and should be very proud of. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating to think of the, the culture and the education and the influences that were happening here over the years mm -hmm. and that you can still see that influence here today. And I know everyone, when they come visit, and see the museum for themselves and drive through these communities you you see this just driving through and as you learn these stories it, it really resonates thank you so much for taking the time to share just this little <laughs> the, the, just the top of the iceberg yes of what's here but thank you so much for this dawn well thank you because it's so important that we get this this wonderful history and stories out there to stimulate the encourage the young people to to learn more about and be proud of their history, learn about their families. I'm involved with the Heritage Fair every year for Anglophone East, and you know that is one thing that I've seen over the years that the children, students, young people, they just thoroughly get into. They can build models, they can learn about their great-grandfather who served in the war, or who did this or who did that. And when you have the pride, then you're interest you want to protect it you want to learn more yes and you take that with you wherever you go that's right so your first stop should be here at the albert <laughs> county museum we'll see you soon we'll see you soon <laughs>